Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. God, I love that intro. Welcome to another edition of Day After Dynamite. I'm flying solo today, but I'm Will Washington. That's right, guys. It's just you and me. And let me say something. First off, I'm a 35-year-old man. Now I'm not ashamed to admit that my lunch today is dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets. This is it. This is all I was able to find today before the show. Do these in the air fryer. And these are hitting the spot. So, welcome to Day After Dynamite. First off, uh, got a couple of notes for you. First thing being, be sure to give this thumbs up. And uh, don't worry, there'll be, as always, people swinging through. Uh, although Jeremy's sick today, so I won't give my Will Washington, but you know how this goes. First off, leave us a thumbs up. Be in the chat, youtube.com slash Fightful. I'll be reading the chat pretty much all throughout the show. And also, don't forget to send us your super chats. YouTube.com slash Fightful is where you can leave us super chats. Also, Humper Chats at HumperChats.com. It's a Streamlab solution. Um, you can send those really at any point, and I'll be keeping an eye on those as well. Also, it's Colorado. It is cold. And so cold, in fact. Uh, so I stepped outside. I want to know what is the temperature right now. It is this 25 degrees outside. Feels like it's 25 degrees here inside. I do this show in my basement, by the way, in case you can't tell. But this is by the stairs. You don't normally get that in the shot. And my God, it is freezing. 
and uh, down here, it doesn't ever seem to get any warmer. So I ended up, uh, and yes, remorse betrayal, who's asking the question, is it snowing? Yes, it's snowing outside. Uh, I ended up digging out um, my, those that know me, who have known me a long time, know that this, this is a world famous hoodie for me. This is a hoodie that I have owned since, I want to say my junior year of high school. And again, I said I'm 35, so I, I have been wearing this a long time. But it's big and it's warm and it's comfy. And when it gets days like today, uh, I, I need things like that. Uh, so, um, and uh, Mr. Rightway says, uh, is, also, is that a MKRK one-up? It is not, actually. Um, so, real quick story on that arcade right there. And the way you can tell it's not a one-up is because of the Daniel Pessina Johnny Cage art on the side, which you can only get on the original MK arcades because uh, he famously in 1995 sued Midway over the use of his likeness and therefore they can't publish those again. So uh, that all said, the... That's also not an original. It's not an original arcade. There's not a chance I was able to uh, procure one of those. But I actually got it from a company that just went out of business last year called Rec Room Masters. And they, do, they at the time, were doing uh, custom arcades, custom original arcades. So I had it made by them. And I wanted to make sure they were able to replicate that original art. Uh, my wife actually got it made for me. And, uh, yeah, it's running. It's basically a giant PC case because uh, inside of it is just a, a PC that I've got Steam and a bunch of emulators loaded on. Uh, but it is uh, the, my favorite thing about the basement down here. On occasion, I will just play that one on board. I also put new speakers in it three days ago, and it's loud and bass heavy. So it's uh, great stuff. Um, and uh, Hannah asked, you bringing that to Newark, the hoodie? Probably not. I couldn't fathom losing it at this point uh it's it's also my wife's favorite hoodie although being that i've had it since high school it has made it through many a girlfriend but it ended up being hers <laughs> at the the most recent point and she gets to keep that one ryan lambert sends in a super chat having watched ar fox killing it in the indies for so many years i couldn't be happier to see him on a big network glad he got offered a contract you and me both i have been keeping up with AR Fox a really long time. And I tweeted yesterday that there are a lot of people in the business who want to see AR Fox succeed and have wanted to see him on a grand stage. Let me tell you, um, this this isn't just one of those, uh, you know, just speculation type things. I've talked to people, uh, I've talked to multiple people who have felt like you know, A.R. Fox has had so many contributions to the industry from not just being an indie performer, but also he runs a wrestling school, or at least he's had trainer at a wrestling school. He's trained a lot of guys that you know today. He trained Austin Theory. Um, and just thinking about how well-loved and well-respected A.R. Fox is in the wrestling business and how many people have wanted to see him in a national TV position, for him to have gotten that, uh, that's that's an exciting thing. That's it's really cool to see. Um, I didn't know a contract offer was coming. I I had hoped so, but I was just happy to see him get on this stage. Uh, he's been performing on Dark recently. He's performed on Elevation in front of crowds. Um, he was getting a couple wins recently, and so it started to feel like maybe we could see a uh, more of a mainstay presence. I thought, honestly, when I saw him booked in this match, I was excited because, one, 
Uh, we'll talk about that in just a minute, but uh, Top Flight, back in order, back together. That's really cool. But uh, I really just thought, look, you kind of need a fall guy for this match, so that's probably why he's here. But he used every bit of this opportunity to show out and show why he deserved a contract, and he got the offer afterward. I can't complain about that whatsoever. Uh, we also have another one. D'Lo Diggs says, you got some ketchup or barbecue sauce with them uh, hugs. I think you meant nugs. But um, look, I'm in weight loss mode right now. So uh, barbecue sauce would be great right now if it wasn't for the uh, the amount of sugar. And so <laughs> uh, you're going to laugh at me, but they're currently dipped in... Spicy brown mustard, which very few calories in spicy brown mustard. So uh, that's what I have to deal with right now. And I'm just going to go ahead and eat this last one because I'm freaking starving. And this is the first thing I've eaten all day. Pardon. So the other thing that uh, is obviously a actually... We'll get to the big elephant in the room that's in the title of this show in a minute. But there's other news to talk about out of the show. Um, we had uh, a... We got word, and Fightful Select reported on this, of uh, in that Anthony Bowens uh, is dealing with shoulder injury. Um, but of course, um, we're not sure, or at least can't confirm, that it's a uh, work or not, but uh, and that that's how it was reported in Fightful Select. So keeping an eye on that, but at the very least, um, we saw that come into play quite a bit, and it'll probably come into play at Full Gear this Saturday. Speaking of which, I will be at Full Gear this Saturday, uh, gearing up to leave here very very shortly here, uh, and we will be. Uh, a lot of us are going to be there. Denise will be there. No Sean, um, but Sean's got a whole bunch else going on. He'll be at WrestleCade a week later. Uh, so in the meantime, I'll be there, and uh, Cher Delaware is going to be there. And uh, a lot of the folks you know are going to be at Full Gear. There will be lots of content we're going to try and get. Of course, uh, there's going to be a media scrum. We'll be live streaming it here, youtube.com slash Fightful. Uh, another thing, we there was just a Tony Khan media call, and or as it was called at the top of the call, the Tony call, and uh, youtube.com slash Fightful actually has the entire call uploaded in full. If you haven't uh, gotten to listen to that yet, uh, I got to ask a question this time around. I asked about the interim status of the AEW Women's World Championship. Uh, and the reason I wanted to ask that question was really just because of the fact that there's been a lot coming out about that, right? There's been, Tony Storm has been uh, really vocal about the fact that she doesn't want the interim tag anymore. If uh, Thunder Rosa is not going to be here, it's time. It's time to crown um, a millennial world champion. And on top of that, Thunder Rosa has been talking about her recovery. She has mentioned that it's coming along, but she doesn't see herself back in the ring until at least 2023. Um, and, you know, I, I in my question, I cited a lot of the other cases 
of crowning an interim world champion. I noted that Cody Rhodes had been, uh, he had come down with a case of the COVID. And so uh, Sammy Guevara was crowned interim world champion, but or TNT champion. And the thing is, Sammy Guevara, uh, they were able to resolve that within a couple of weeks. You know, Cody missed one episode of Dynamite and he missed Battle of the Belts. And so that was a very quickly resolved situation. CM Punk later in the year uh, had his foot injury. And I think everybody kind of knew from the beginning that the foot injury, obviously it was going to take some time to heal, but it wasn't as severe of an injury as say a muscle tear or anything along those lines. And that we knew we'd see Punk back in the ring in probably a fairly short amount of time. I think everybody was kind of counting on All Out being the time that CM Punk would be back. Uh, And so with that, we knew on the horizon when we'd see CM Punk again. And so... Looking at that, even, people were calling into question why he would still be champion. There was a lot of theories around whether or not uh, it made any sense or why wouldn't you just have CM Punk come back for the title and challenge for it at All Out if you know he's going to be at All Out. But either way, we knew that time period. With the women's title, that is a lot trickier of a situation because essentially... Since August, uh, Thunder Rosa has, uh, that was when she declared that she was injured and that we would see an interim champion. So that's going on three months ago. And so it's already been the longest period uh, without having the lineal world champion around. And to know that it's at least going to be another two months, uh, that to me says that I I think we should be having the conversation about, and that's not to say that you don't have Thunder Rosa come back and challenge for it, of course, but I do think that that says to me we should be working toward crowning a lineal champion because the amount of content that you're essentially uh, developing here where you're having Tony Storm have all these defenses. I had a stat on my Twitter this week, and if you haven't seen that stat, it was that uh, with this past week's match against Anna Jay, Tony Storm has had more matches on Dynamite than all previous AEW Women's World Champions except for Hikaru Shida, who of course had the title for a year. But in two months, Tony Storm has now had more matches as champion than Britt Baker did in her nearly a year as champion. She's had more matches as champion than um, Riho did, which also was, yeah, again, she held the title from what, October of 2019 until February of 2020? So again, that's still a good amount of time that Riho was champion. And she had way more matches than Thunder Rosa did as champion. She had more matches than, um, than Nyla Rose did as champion. And all of that content is essentially falling under an interim championship, which... Uh, last I checked, doesn't count toward the lineage. And so my concern here is with all of this content that and all of these defenses, all of these things that are happening that Tony Storm is baking, it essentially doesn't count. And uh, the longer she goes without it counting, the uh, I think the worse that's going to look on the title history. Maybe that's just a thing I care about. I don't know. But either way, the... That was why I posed the question. And if you heard Tony Khan's answer, he also seemed to be in a little bit of a mindset of wanting to see a lineal world champion crown. We need an undisputed champion. We need um, 
the the lineage continuing the way that a title is supposed to. I'm not fully against interim champions, but I at least feel like we should know or have something on the horizon about the status of the lineal champion if we are going to do the interim world championship thing. Because at the end of the day, I don't like having an interim champion and not knowing when we're even going to see an undisputed championship situation. That's how I feel about it. Uh, and we got another super chat. This one comes from Chris Reigns. It says, we need you in Swerve's corner then. I loved your question. I agree with Tony too. Um, okay. So <laughs> I have to tell a story about the Max Caster rap that he dropped. It is the, the screen grab for the cover art for this episode of Day After Dynamite if you're watching on YouTube. Max Caster. Uh, so as Sean reported in his Dynamite report on Fightful Select this week, uh, Sean straight up asked me, he said, did you know that was going to happen? Let me tell you, no, absolutely not. I did not know that was about to happen in any way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know it did happen. So, uh, shout out Caden here. But I was watching Dynamite, as I do every Wednesday. Watch it with my son. Um, but uh, for a change, I was actually watching it with my daughter. She wasn't feeling very good. She normally has a dance class on Wednesdays. And so she is actually sitting on the couch with me. And so Max Caster's rap begins. I listened to the first verse and the chorus in full. And then something happened to where my daughter was like, uh, she had asked me for just like a glass of water. And I got up and I headed to the kitchen and I fixed her some water and I came back and the match is beginning. Swerve versus, uh, versus Anthony Bowens. And all of a sudden my phone vibrates and it's Caden. And I look down and I see, uh, he goes, uh, so you were referenced in the Mac Caster rap. And I went, was I? I didn't catch that uh, because I missed the second verse. And then uh, he, right as he's explaining the line, my phone vibrates, I shit you not, a hundred more times. It just starts vibrating over and over and over and over and over again. And uh, I'm looking down. <laughs> And I go, okay, there must have been a reference. And so I go, I find the remote, and I rewind it and listen to the verse again. And, of course, there's the line, family up in the dirt sheets. And uh, and I, I don't even know what to say to any of that. I mean, it was a good dig. I'll give Max that. Uh you know, he talked about how but he implied after the family in the dirt sheets line that the dirt sheets talk him up. And obviously that has something to do with me. This is an interesting, inescapable thing, I guess. I only ever put out that Swerve was related to me in... I think it was 2015 that was the first time i ever said anything about that on a podcast um and he's he's told a lot of that story he told it on talk is jericho if you want to hear it but the first time that was ever put out uh 
This year has been really interesting as far as that's concerned because this is the first year that I've really felt like it's ever been used um, either against me or Swerve, despite the fact that I've been at this a long time. I was going through some old tweets recently and I wanted to find up every single time I talked up Isaiah Swerve Scott, right? That uh, I went and found, you know, my, my tweets celebrating him winning the North American Championship and how excited I was that, oh my God, my family's got gold on WWE television right now. Let's go. Um, I gave the man wrestler of the year in 2017 before he was even signed. I did get some shit about that. Um, simply because that was straight up nepotism. That was just me really feeling like, look, he was having a really great run in the indies that year. Uh, I felt like the matches with Matt Riddle, all that stuff were just barn burners and he was really showing what he was made of. And I feel like he was really blazing the trail um, in terms of black wrestlers on the indie scene. Either way, this is not new. I have been talking about my cousin since I've known he was my cousin. It's been a long time. And so it's funny, though, that there is this uh, vitriol from certain people in terms uh, in regards to AEW. And so once he landed in AEW, it was no longer just a fun thing of like, oh, hey, my cousin's a wrestler, right? Uh, now it is a, oh, well, now uh, this wrestler in AEW has ties to somebody who uh, works for a uh, a wrestling publication, and that wrestling and that promotion happens to be AEW, which already gets enough accusations of the shills and uh, and coverage and all of those things, and so now it's a much bigger problem than it's ever been. Uh, so I, I hear it every single day. Uh, in my mentions, I, I may no-sell it, but I get it all the time in terms of uh, people giving me shit about having a cousin who is in, uh, in a promotion and having, I guess, connections in said promotion. And so, because uh, look, Swerve has told the story. Uh, he told it on Talk is Jericho that uh, in terms of me having had conversations with Tony Khan in the past and... Um, connecting the two of them after Swerve's release, sure, that's a thing that happened. But uh, at the end of the day, though, whether or not we were related, I still believe him, believe in him as a performer. I think he's one of the best. I think he showed out quite a bit, and I'm going to talk about that here very shortly. But in terms of uh, the Max Caster rap, of course, that just added fuel to the fire. Uh, and that's all I could think. As soon as it happened, I thought, of course. Of course it is. Of course this is how my day is going to go. This is how uh, my night's going to go. Because uh, regardless of how that came at me, regardless of what Max Caster has to say, the fact is Max Caster is a wrestling performer. And um, while it's slightly annoying... I'll take that. But I hate that people are going to run with that and uh, and run with it as something legitimate. So we'll see what happens with all of that. But honestly, I was all smiles. I was all, from the moment that happened, uh, I, I had to take a step back and I just thought, how do we get here? How? how, how? Just 
I don't understand, but we are here. I'll take it. Uh, and uh, we got a couple of other messages. Van Twinblade says, uh, come to St. Louis January 7th, Apocalypse at Del Mar Hall. Hmm. I mean, I'll tell you, St. Louis was kind to me uh, during the Royal Rumble this year. Uh, but also, I had shared Delaware as a, as a bit of a chauffeur throughout the day, so that helped. Um, we also have Brent Lockman who says, so this calls for some sort of rat-based vengeance, yes? I mean, look, I'm not saying that it might be a thing we're working on, but, you know. Uh, EVP of Talent Relations, uh, head of creative, says, accusations, false accusations. And Kate says, <laughs> not related to him, swear fucking rules at every aspect of this. You're fantastic at what you do, too. Thank you. And Ricardo says, we need a William RBR disc retort. Get on it. Uh, I mean, look, it was a funny video. I'll, I'll give him that. I Like, I watched it from the beginning, of course. Like I said, I, I there was a brief portion where I wasn't paying any attention. Uh, and that was when the second verse had started. And I hate that I missed that. It was like I tuned out just enough and I missed all of that. But I will say that the Captain Insano stuff was very funny. Uh, I will say that who they got to play Swerve and Keith also quite funny. Swerve having the, the foil grill. I mean, look, I like the Max Caster videos. I'll say that. I've said that from day one, actually. I said that when he dropped that first one um, in AEW on uh, Sean Spears, the I'm not perfect, but neither are you, but I'm better in the ring, and you see that it's true. That one, um, I thought that was great. Uh, and then when him and Anthony Bowens got together and they first started getting used on Dynamite, look, I've seen that Buck Hunt video that they did on the Young Bucks. I've seen that like a thousand times because it's great. I love that stuff. Uh, and I thought... I actually like these videos better than I like his uh, entrance raps. I think the entrance raps obviously have to have a little bit more simplicity because you're dealing with having to get crowd reactions and so you can't throw as many syllables in them uh, because words can get lost. And so, you know, those tend to be a lot simpler. I like the tracks better. I like the original songs with the videos. Uh, I like the the John Moxley and Eddie Kingston when he did the Y'all Are All Talk. All that stuff is great. I actually think this stuff is is all really good. Uh, but again, I'm interested to see what the fallout of this is going to be. Uh, Max Caster and Anthony Bowens going up against Swerve in Our Glory. Look, I mean, hey, it's not my fault Swerve in Our Glory is better in the ring. But uh, either way, so I got a solo who sent in a super chat or humper chat. He says, uh, hey, guys, I thought Britt's promo was excellent, but I was sour on how she was framed as the seemingly lone face of the division. Yes, she was at Daly's, but so were Sheeta and Velvet and Kylan and Rosa and Diamante and Ford and the Bunny. Feels demeaning to them. Um, well, two things. One. That's kind of what a heel does, right? That like I know a lot of people were taking some of the um, some of what she was saying at babyface value and saying you know she's going to get cheered, and for the most part I think that's true. She is going to get cheered, but I do think you have to look at a heel is going to take credit for 
everything, right? That uh, they're never going to give credit where it's due. And I think there were certain things in what she was saying that were still coming off heelish, such as, you know, throwing at somebody who was injured that they couldn't work during the pandemic. You know, it's like, yeah, you're playing up to the fans and reminding the fans that the fans did get something they were asking for and that they needed and getting wrestling during the pandemic. But also, you're also throwing it at the fans that this injured person couldn't work during the pandemic. And then uh, the way she was talking about, um, again, that she was the one who was working through the pandemic. I mean, again, yeah, that does discredit a lot of the women who were also there doing so. Hikaru Shida had the entirety of her year-long title reign take place at Daly's Place. So, uh, again, I think there's certain places where she's playing up to fans because I think they're not stupid. They are anticipating what the reaction is going to be at the Prudential Center in Newark. But I think you also have to look at maintaining certain aspects of her character because at the end of the day, I think she does have to remain a heel because that's where things are going to be going with um, her. And I presume, I, ma- I imagine after this Soraya thing is over, we move on to Britt and Jamie. And so I think she's got to keep some aspects of that piece of her character. Orion Ben says, so has anyone actually seen Keith, Keith Lee mad? Pray. Good point. Uh, and we also have, uh, Tony P says, damn son, he gave you guilt by association with jaw rule treatment. Uh, I mean, look, I did feel like 50 cent. I was like, Hey, what did he say? Fuck me for. Um, but I don't know. It, It was again, it was fun. It's all fun. Matt says hope you're okay well after that family in the dirt sheets line did you get tipped off at all that it was coming not in any way shape or form like i said i missed it the first time and i had to be told that it happened uh and then i went back and and saw it so uh it it was definitely a thing in my night and uh but it, it i don't know i what do you even say to that what do you even say because look, I have been watching wrestling 35 years. I'm 35. It's like the fifth time I've said that in this podcast. And I have hardly ever, if ever, been referenced on TV. And so, and like, and look, my son, it's not even a big deal to him because he watches this stuff like, hey, you got referenced on TV. You're, you're getting on my level because. As some will recall, my son was the crying Bailey kid in 2019 when she turned heel. So it, it's still just kind of weird, and it's still something that I haven't even like quite wrapped my head around. I even got a text from my friend who's like barely been watching pro wrestling. I'm the friend I've talked about for the last couple of months, and she messaged me, same deal. She's like, was that, was that a reference to you? And I thought, yeah, it actually was, uh, or at least I think so. Uh, and who knows? I could be taking credit for something else. Maybe he got some family on his mom's side that writes for the torch. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, let's see. We got another one from Jennifer. Jennifer says, uh, just a little love for dad, uh, from one half of the J team. Shout out to the other Jennifer grins. Oh, 
I don't know what Jennifer this is because uh, it, that's not a thing that that it's labeled. I don't get anything but the word Jennifer. Uh, so I I genuinely don't know which Jennifer that came from. But uh, thank you, Jennifer. And uh, although I'm paying attention to the chat, this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So that's that's it. Uh, because Jennifer Kathleen says, LMA, your kid was the crying Bailey kid. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's my son. That's that's uh, Billy. Go back and watch it. Uh, that's my kitchen that the video is for, was recorded in. Uh, that's that's my house, and it's it was a funny time. Uh, but thank you um, to Jennifer Griffin who sent that one in, not Jennifer Kathleen. But shout out to the Jennifers. All right, let's talk about some things that happened on this go home edition of AEW Dynamite, shall we? We saw the opener, Brian Danielson teaming with Claudio Castagnoli to take on Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. You know, the odd thing about the Blackpool Combat Club to me is that it feels like an oddly connected faction in so many different ways. Because the one thing we've yet to see, like we've seen Claudio team with Moxley plenty. We've seen Brian team with Moxley plenty. We've seen... Um, Brian and Moxley, we've seen Claudio and Brian now, but we have yet to see like the entirety of the group since Brian's been back. And I thought that, uh, I think it's so funny that we've yet to see them like truly all together other than like the pictures we've seen them in, which are all great, but we've yet to see them really like all together. And, you know, Regal is the guy that kind of uh, you know, he obviously is the tie that binds, but yeah, it was Sammy Guevara, Chris Jericho, less sex gods, though they're not using that name anymore. Uh, and they took on Brian Daniels and Claudio Castagnoli. I thought this match was a great opener. Uh, and it's, it's so interesting how little we've seen Brian and Claudio team in the past. We have seen it obviously. Hell, this was a team that a year and a half ago was on the opposing side of Roman Reigns and, uh, and Jay Uso and like the, the beginning and the early makings of the bloodline, right? They were opposing that team. And all of a sudden we, we have them in another company. Uh, but no, this was a really fun opener and a really long, uh, opener. It almost reminded me of the, I can't say early days, but there were those days where AEW always guaranteed you one really long opener to get you started, and then the rest of the show would happen. And this was that match. Uh, and, of course, these are the four people who will be competing for the ROH World title at full gear. But this was fun. This was a blast. Uh, Brian just continuing to work. With the, uh, the the yes kicks will always remain over. Um, again, Sammy Guevara, for all you could say about him, he does his part, and I thought he worked really well here. The ending 
sequence, which initially saw uh, Claudio locked in the walls and uh, Danielson, um, he's on the outside. Sammy does a dive to the outside. For a moment there, I thought, they're kind of positioning Claudio to tap, aren't they? And then, of course, he doesn't. Um, we see Jericho go for the bat. Jericho gets outsmarted and uh, Claudio, or I guess outwitted more so than anything else, but Claudio hits him with the uh, the big swing while Jericho's holding the bat. Then Claudio takes the bat from Jericho, locks him in a sharpshooter or scorpion deathlock in this case, since that's what they called it. And Jericho taps. The Ocho taps out. So what are we looking at going into this Saturday? I think Jericho retains. I think that they are probably anticipating him being the headliner at Death Before Dishonor. Not Death Before Dishonor. What's the next paper? Final Battle. Um, At Final Battle, I imagine that's going to be the case. But I think this match, just based on this tag match alone and them getting a good, uh, looks like they got 17 minutes here. Uh, I, I thought... There's going to be a theme throughout this show, which was that I felt like every match was doing its part and selling me more on the upcoming Full Gear match. Um, I thought, you know, I walked into Dynamite halfway looking forward to the four-way and I walked out of it going, you know what? I really want to see that match now. Like, I, I want to see these guys tie it up because couple of combinations I want to see tied up are Brian and Claudio. I am actually really excited to see those guys tie it up. And we know that the Blackpool Combat Club is no strangers to competition with each other. And so uh, I think those guys are going to tear it up. Uh, and then also there's the the looming story of Sammy Guevara and having always been loyal to Chris Jericho his entire time in AEW. And Chris Jericho essentially giving Sammy the shot because he knows that Sammy's going to do the right thing and uh, make sure Jericho walks out with the title. And so knowing all of that, there's interesting dynamics here. What's going to happen when Sammy does decide that he wants to be a world champion and wants to be the Ring of Honor world champion? I think there's interesting stuff there. I'm actually excited about this. Uh, And I walked in, or I walked out of this match more excited for the match at full gear than I did going into it. So... This match did its job, um, and I felt that way about a lot of the show, to be honest. Uh, We saw a video package, Sting um, and Darby, the body bag that uh, Darby or Sting finds Darby in it. Can't believe it's been a while since we've seen Sting on TV. Uh, Really since, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, and chat, I'm looking to you for this, but... I probably know the answer. Have we seen Sting since Grand Slam? Since the spot with uh, with Muda? I don't feel like we have, but correct me if I'm wrong. And if so, it's been over two months. It's just crazy. So, again, that's a match that I'm still uh, on, but uh, I'm hoping with Sting being the GOAT, that uh, we they have some tricks up their sleeve for this one, but I think they've got a little bit of an uphill battle in building interest. 
so Anthony Bowens though went one on one with Swart Strickland. They talked about the the music video that they they dropped in. Yeah, the, the uh, shout out to Redmond who says it'll be worth it for Sting no selling the guitar shot. I mean, look that spot is one of the best impact, I guess, gifable moments we've ever seen. Sure, let AEW have that one. They, they've they've gotten all the rest with Sting, right? That like AEW has their own version of Sting wearing the Sting mask and taking it off to reveal he's Sting. AEW has that now. Uh, so I actually uh, am looking forward to that spot. And uh, Snap Grapple Pop says, I, I hate most no-sells, but no-selling a guitar shot will be funny. Look, I mean, there's no way... If you hate the Sting no-sell... I don't know. That to me is like a true superhero moment. Like I love the Sting no sell. I think it's it's one of the best things he does because it gets the pop every time. And to me, pro wrestling is about the pops. Like I I think if pro wrestling isn't working toward a reaction, and if it's not getting a reaction, that's the only time you should be concerned about anything in wrestling. To me, anyway. Uh, and I feel like the Sting spots get pops, massive pops every time. I can't complain about that. Uh, but Anthony Bowens versus Swerve Strickland. Uh, as the match got started, Billy Gunn assaults Swerve, which results in Billy Gunn and Max Caster being ejected from ringside. So uh, this added an interesting element and dynamic to the match. And really quick, Jay Ruff with the... Uh, Super Chat says, shout out to one of the nicest dirt sheet writers out there. Will, you deserve all the flowers you get. And I hope the mention on AEW opens the door for more. I don't know what door I need to open right now. Look, I've got songs in the AEW video game. I'm I'm feeling good right now about 2022 and uh, just how many cool things have happened this year. So, um, look, if this is the best year I've had in terms of... Uh, being a wrestling media adjacent personality. That's cool because it's been a really good year. Uh, anyway, the. Uh, and by the way, there's information about said AEW video game dropping at full gear. You know, there's a piece of me, by the way, that wants them. I don't know if they'll do it or how they'll do it, but if they're going to drop the release date of the game, there's a piece of me that wants to see it done by Justin Roberts in Kenny Omega's entrance and just a little like, he is the lead producer on the upcoming AEW video game dropping March, whatever. Like just a little thing like that. Uh, that would get, <laughs> that would pop me so hard if that's the way that the uh, date is announced. But anyway, Anthony Bowens and Swerve Strickland uh, had quite the cerebral match here. This was uh, basically Swerve working over Bowens and Bowens showing his resiliency and um, his being valiant here. You know, Swerve was working on the shoulder um, and Swerve, of course, did the, the, the arm snap, uh, which has been one of his indie trades, and I'm really happy that we got to see it on TV. The, uh, uh, sorry, I'm reading the chat right now. But 
uh, and of course, he hits pretty much everything. Um, he hit the house call, and Anthony Bowens kicked out. He hit the Swerve Stomp, and Bowens uh, kicked out. And Swerve was like, how do I keep this motherfucker down? Uh, and again, he was showing the, a, a really dynamic side of Swerve that, you know, I think people know Swerve the athlete. And I think he is going to spend um, a lot of what you see in his future AEW run showing a lot of what else he has to offer. Uh, when he then hit, uh, so he goes for another house call. Anthony Bowens tries to reverse it. Swerve attacks the shoulder again. And this time hits him with a vicious JML driver. One, two, three. And Swerve gets the victory. What does that mean for this Saturday? I don't know. I think, honestly, I think the acclaim retains. But uh, again, Swerve uh, has the advantage over a an injured or at least uh, a a hurt Anthony Bowens. And then Tony Schiavone's in the ring, and we got our answers. I wasn't sure last week. I said it last week. I wasn't sure if the Samoa Joe thing was a heel turn because again. I talked about the Vince McMahon rule of you never play music on a heel turn. And I was thinking about that when I said that last week on when did that rule start? Uh, And I found it. It was Hunter. Hunter's heel turn in the summer of 2002 uh, when he turned on Shawn Michaels going into SummerSlam. I believe was the first time that they had somebody turn on somebody to and let the crowd be the sound of the moment because like all the others like you look at the undertaker's heel turn at the end of 01 um he turns and they they start playing Roland and then like almost is jarring it's like you you hear it happening and you're like i i don't know if this is i'm supposed to like like this song but i'm supposed to hate this guy and uh and you know rick flair turned heel at the beginning of 2002 or middle of 2002 and again they're they're still playing his music but hunter turned and it was like no silence and since then you look at any heel turns that took place in wwe and uh, especially main event heel turns or at least top of the card heel turns it's always they turn and they let the booze and this uh kind of take over the sound of the moment and it's been that way for like 20 years uh so i wasn't sure if tony khan had something similar i don't think he does but uh, because Samoa Joe attacking Wardlow last week, uh, I wasn't sure if this was just a I want the title kind of thing. But this promo solidified it as he made sure to take some shots at the fans. Uh, he Samoa Joe is a full-fledged heel now. And he got angry when Wardlow said he wanted all the titles. And he was disrespected. Out came powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, and you know, he's been trying to get his hands on Wardlow for weeks. He's been kicking his, uh, Wardlow's ass for weeks and no one's getting a shot before him. Then in comes Wardlow and uh, big meaty men slapped and meat. They slapped their meat and, uh, they got to beat the shit out of each other. Uh, the roster and security ran down to break them up. Um, this led to the, the heels going to the outside and Wardlow getting to remind us who he is. I saw a tweet that said that Wardlow is Jeff Hardy in Batista's body, the way he did that dive to the outside on all of the, the wrestlers in security. And it was announced 
that at full gear, we're getting a triple threat match. I was hoping they'd go title for title uh, and put them both on the line and have somebody walk out with both, but I'm fine with this. It's the TNT Championship on the line. Samoa Joe challenging Wardlow uh, and also Powerhouse Hobbs challenging Wardlow as well. It's a triple threat match, a three-way. Let's see what we got here. This, this could be good. Samoa Joe has a really distinct history with three-way matches and i'm curious what samoa joe in 2022 can do in the three-way like when you think about every promotion he's been in he's had a very significant three-way match i'm actually really looking forward to this so again walked in to the show kind of looking forward to something walked out like hey this could be good this is a big meaty men slap and meat type of match and i am here for it we talked a little bit about the Britt Baker promo. I don't really have a whole lot more to say about that. Because uh, the match I was looking forward to the whole night. AEW Trios titles on the line. There was a number of reasons I was looking forward to this. One, like I said, AR Fox getting an opportunity in front of an AEW crowd. in front. Of, I mean, he's been working Elevation before. But to be there, to get it on TV, he had his mom at ringside. Like, I was just excited to see him get this opportunity also my boy Darius Martin back um so excited that uh he's recovered from that car accident um you know he he talked about the fact that him and Dante made their debut end of 2020 and then he was injured very early on and Dante pretty much had to, to pick up the ball and roll with it as a singles performer but then uh, on the go home show to what was that revolution this year? Uh, we got to see Darius make his triumphant return in Daly's place. Crowd was really excited to see him. I was excited to see him back and I was ready to see them, uh, have some tag team success. It's been floating around for quite some time that Tony Khan sees big things for top flight as a tag team. And if that, uh, report has slipped out of your mind, slip it back in. Tony Khan loves top flight as a tag team and had plans for top flight. I feel like there were some plans earlier this year that involved top flight in the tag team title picture. And uh, for um, for Darius to have had that car accident back in, when was that? That was April, I want to say it was. And so he's been out seven months. And just thinking about the fact that that forced them to have to have Dante Martin go back into solo uh, competition, solo performances. But I'm really excited that they're back and again those that was just two of the reasons i was excited here i was also excited for the fact that pack and the lucha brothers are also in this match this was going to be something and i felt like this was something um one of the things that i i have to give uh i guess a knock to is the crowd we knew going into this that ticket sales were, were really slumping for this particular show. I think whenever you heard Meltzer talk about um, the advances on tickets being low, this was the show that was being cited because for whatever reason, Bridgeport, Connecticut, um, and this was a venue that they ran earlier this year that they sold 6,000 tickets to almost. Uh, they sold less than half of what they sold before. This was a... Uh, this was slim pickings in the arena. Um, and, but I felt like opening wise, the crowd was really hot. 
but in this particular match, I would have liked to have heard them hotter. I feel like they got into it as time progressed, especially as they got to see a lot of what AR Fox and what Top Flight was made of as a team. Um, but Death Triangle did their thing. There were so many great spots in this match. I thought that Dante uh, showed out in a lot of his uh, his aerial action. I thought that Darius, again, he was on a mission to remind us of who he was. But AR Fox getting that the TV spot and just some of what he got to show out here, this was fantastic stuff. This was, as I like to call it, it's crowd-pleasing stuff. And I'll never knock any pro wrestling that, that's crowd-pleasing. I'll hear people say choreographed, gymnastics. I don't give a shit about any of that. If it is exciting and it's crowd-pleasing, it's for me. And uh, that's what this did because, again, we talk about the crowd being kind of dead to start. I feel like they got into this and you started hearing this is awesome chance. And uh, I was just over the moon. They, these guys got 11 minutes with a commercial break. And I feel like they made the best of those 11 minutes they got out there. But Death Triangle retained. Death Triangle won with uh, the combination package pile driver followed by um, the Black Arrow being hit by Pack. And then they get on the microphone, and you could hear it in the crowd. You start hearing the crowd chanting for the elite because they all knew why Pack was on the mic. And I appreciated Pack not being stupid. Address the elephant in the room. Address the fact that you've seen the videos. You've seen it all. You know what's the point that's being made in all of these video packages that the elite has been putting out uh, where they keep talking about the fact that they won the trios titles and are not trios champions. That's what the videos keep implying. And so I very much appreciated here pack basically saying, look, put up or shut up. You guys keep dropping these video packages. We want this match. And uh, I like the line where Pac said that you're not coming for us. We are coming for you. Because that triangle's got something to prove. And then, of course, graphic appears on the screen with a uh, ticking clock. And when it strikes midnight, or at least strikes the top of the hour, then we see the match graphic that has Death Triangle on one side and the Elite kind of almost like Star Trek beam into the other side. And we got it. It's Death Triangle versus the Elite. Second time we've seen this match. First time we saw it was January 1st uh 2020 at daily's place at dynamite homecoming it was a phenomenal match then uh it was a, just a great main event and that was before death triangle was an official thing that was just pack being teamed with the lucha bros but that wasn't technically death triangle yet but thinking about all the history that pack has with kenny omega going all the way back to the first all out, which wasn't even a match that was supposed to happen, right? That was supposed to be Kenny versus um, versus Moxley. And now all of a sudden, it turned out to be Pac versus Kenny Omega. And that created what ended up being a really storied rivalry. They had that match, uh, the return match between Pac and Kenny at the Dynamite. Um, what was it? The Thanksgiving Dynamite that was in... What arena was that? Oh, that was the rematch in at Sears Center, uh, which is now now arena. And then 
they had the uh, Iron Man match in Kansas City as the go home to Revolution in 2020. And then they also had the three way with Pack, uh, Pack and Kenny and Orange Cassidy uh, as the title match at Double or Nothing 2021. And then you look at all the history just in AEW. Forget about what predates AEW. Think about all the history just in AEW with the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks going back to the first Double or Nothing, the first All Out. Uh, they had the the what a lot of people called last year's match of the year in the cage match at All Out last year. They had a match just earlier this year uh, in uh, what was that at Toyota Arena um, in Ontario at on the Rampage. They have a very storied history, and to think that all of that and and it all kind of ties together, right? Because you've had Kenny, he had. Um, I thought one of the best pandemic matches for the world title with Ray Phoenix. These guys have all had so much history. And to think that uh, this was a match that probably wasn't even in the plans. I don't know what was in the plans uh, as far back as all out, but this now being a match that has so much history between all of these guys and for it to culminate here at full gear, I, there's not a match I don't think I'm more excited for than this one. I was really, really, really uh, hoping that this announcement was going to be made on the show. I think we all knew it was going to be made, but the fact that we got to see it and uh, the crowd pop. It's crazy. I was just talking about uh, how kind of silent the crowd was at the start of that match, but when those guys came up on the screen, that crowd was so excited. And, of course... Uh, as being mentioned, because Redman noted, do you think we? Uh, do you think House of Black will return after the match? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and he says for a face down with the elite. That's actually exactly what I'm thinking is going to happen. Uh, I think that they have some plans here to really beef up the trio's division, and I think it starts with bringing back the elite. I think it uh, continues with bringing back House of Black. I've mentioned on both Grapsity and here that. You know, with the Undisputed Era being out as long as they're planned on being out, uh, you have the possibility of reuniting the kingdom with Adam Cole when Adam Cole's ready to come back. Speaking of which, this Sunday, we got a reuniting of the party. Uh, that's <laughs> that's dope. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's... You know, a lot of people were wondering when it became clear that, you know, somebody even asked Tony Khan on the call when it became clear that, you know, the elite was, was on their way back. Uh, I think pretty much my tell was Cutler. The moment Brandon Cutler was brought back to TV tapings. And I know it's like, well, Brandon Cutler works there. Why wouldn't he be brought back? But Brandon Cutler, when he was brought back, was brought back on TV using the elite's theme song. Uh, And, you know, he's motioning the elite. And to me, it was like, if you didn't want the elite talked about, Brandon Cutler's had other theme music. You could have referenced him other ways. Or you could have brought him in other ways. But the fact that they brought him in in a way and brought him back in a way that reminded fans of the elite told me almost from the moment he was back, which I think was, what, Washington, D.C. earlier this year? Uh, just, what, a month and a half ago? That was the moment that told me, okay, something is clearing up with the elite, given that 
they're allowing Brandon Cutler on TV, or at least on the YouTube shows, to, to make reference to them. Um, and Jennifer says, I still miss Brandon Cutler's uh, D&D gimmick. I've ever told this story. I don't think I've told this story since I've been a part of Fightful. But uh, so there was one time I took my son to a meet and greet. Uh, it was early 2020. And it was a meet and greet with SCU, Nyla Rose, and Brandon Cutler. And shout out really everybody there. I, I thought Nyla Rose was really kind to Billy. Um, SCU was really kind uh, to Billy. But um, I think Brandon Cutler took, I think Billy took Brandon Cutler by surprise because uh, Billy walks up to Brandon Cutler and Billy looks at him and he goes, can I see your 20-sided die? And let me tell you, Brandon's eyes lit up like, oh my God, this kid like knows. (laughs) And he's like, yes. And he pulls it out of his pocket and uh he hands it to billy and he goes you want to roll it and billy's like yes and uh and billy rolls it and rolls a zero <laughs> i kid you not uh and uh it's like the the worst option you, you possibly can uh that sucks but then they took a picture together and like i said brandon cutler was just really kind to my son so um that's what it takes for me as far as anybody in pro wrestling um to basically gain like eternal respect for me is when you can make my kid feel good about his wrestling experience. I'll never say a negative thing. And Brandon Cutler uh, and everybody in SCU, Nyla Rose that day, they all did, but just a lot of guys have been um, super kind (laughs) to my son. So I always very much appreciate that. Uh, And that's not to say, look, as there are people who haven't been, maybe I've told this story. I don't think I have. But uh, going on the Power Rangers front, I met Jason David Frank one time. Total jerk to my son. Um, And so, like, that's why Jason was better than Tommy in Power Rangers. Suck it. Uh, Anyway, the... We then saw the next match in the World Title Eliminator Tournament. We saw Bandito go one-on-one with Ethan Page. Now, we've had... uh, Lots of questions about this tournament. And we got some answered on the media call because Tony noted that uh, Ricky Starks was legitimately injured last week. Um, I was suspecting that, you know, maybe they were just trying to um, beef up the cards this week. No, that wasn't the case. Uh, The real story is that uh, Ricky Starks was not cleared last week. And so they weren't able to run the match. So the, the change in format now is that Ricky Starks is going to take on Lance Archer this Friday on Rampage. And then uh, Ricky Starks, assuming Ricky Starks wins, Ricky Starks is going to win. Ricky Starks is then going to take on Bra- uh, Brian Cage in the zero hour before full gear. And then the... And come on, Ricky Starks is winning that too. And then, <laughs> uh, I assume Ricky Starks is then going to face Ethan Page at the Thanksgiving Dynamite um, in Chicago this Wednesday. So either way, the uh, and Ronan Mike Clip says, I have a photo of JDF smoking with my friend at the Power Morphicon. I went to Power Morphicon in 2014, actually. Um, my brother and I took a video uh, with Austin St. John doing its morphin' time. Um, that was cool. I That was like my first Power Ranger Con experience. 
I'm not sure why. I, I think, oh yeah, that was right. I was just on a California vacation and something told me to look up when it was and it just happened to be the weekend I was in Los Angeles. And I'm like, I am going to Power Morphicon. And I did. And uh, it's it's amazing how much, because like, I like, you know, Denise likes to give me shit for how social I tend to be. Um, but part of what I like about social gatherings is when people are all gathered for the same reason. Uh, I love that. Like part of what's difficult about like attending Comic-Con and trying to be social there is it's like everybody's there for a different reason. And like, granted, while you can kind of nerd out with people uh, along very uh, general lines, for the most part, it's way easier to nerd out with people who are all there for the same reason. And like to go to, you know, a wrestling event and to be social at a wrestling event is exciting because everybody's there for the same thing. Um, whether you're going to WrestleMania, whether you're going to an AEW event, going to an indie show, whatever, everybody's there for the same thing. So it's really easy to be social. And like even at something like a Power Morphicon, it was really easy to be social with other Power Rangers fans. It's just an exciting thing. And it's always fun. Uh, and because like you always think of nerddom as like an antisocial thing, but it's the contrary, right? It's like when nerds can get together for the same purpose they are the complete opposite. They are extremely social. And um, like I said, it's the thing that Denise gives me crap for. And, and uh, because every place I go, I can usually find somebody to talk to about something. And that's just the way my, my brain is wired and how it operates. But Bandito, Ethan Page. Uh, Bandito, again. He, they, he got 10 minutes here with uh, Ethan Page. I felt like he made the most of it. This was really a night for Ethan Page to prove that he belongs in, or at least near the main event scene. I thought if Ricky Starks wins this whole thing, and that's why the tournament was delayed. That's that's the only reason you could have possibly taken a Ricky Starks injury and thought, well, we can just delay stuff. I think it's really because Ricky Starks was the intended winner of the entire thing. And you lose out on all of your intended plans if Ricky Starks doesn't happen. Because otherwise, you could just say, well, he's injured. Replace him with somebody if he wasn't the intended winner of the entire tournament. But I think, honestly, I don't think they see another match where winner is coming beyond Ricky Starks versus MJF for the AEW World Championship. So, (laughs) that's... Either way, Ethan Page... I thought got a great opportunity here to show what he's made of. I thought Bandito again, just always impresses. Uh, it was really solid. I liked it. The, there was a good ego's edge to end the match. Ethan page moves on. Uh, we heard from Soraya. She kept it very short in her backstage interview with Renee. And she basically just said she's done talking. Uh, and that Brit, Gets all the credit in the world for everything she accomplished. But at the end of the day, she's back and she's ready to fight. Good shit. That's all I look for. Uh, And that's all I want. The... (laughs) So then, uh, and Ricardo says, Favorite Red Ranger is Troy from Megaforce and Andros. I am an Andros guy, mainly because I am a in-space guy. I think in-space is the best saga 
It's probably not my favorite series, but it is the best saga I think that the series has. I'm still really partial to Zeo, um, but also I really like Dino Thunder as well. Uh, and also, look, there's a, there's a gap in Power Rangers for me because I watched the original series and then I watched pretty much all the way up until like, uh, I want to say Time Force really, and then kind of fell off. And then of course, when I heard Tommy was coming back for Dino Thunder, I watched all that in full. And then I didn't really watch again because... I was an adult, and I, I didn't really find the time. But then once my son was born and he got really into it, I've seen every series since he was able to get into Power Rangers. So I have watched a lot of the modern stuff, actually. Uh, and it's it's always great. I'm a, I'm a Power Rangers guy, guys. It's something you could say whatever you want. You see the collection here of my Astro Megazord. My original Megazord, that's a Falcon Zord right there. You see the collection behind me, I collect Power Rangers. Oh, and then that behind me, that there is a Dragon Zord and a Lord Zed, if you're looking close enough. So uh, it's just stuff I collect. It's what I do. Uh, and Chasmosis says, I'm a big Zeo guy too, Will. What's your opinion on Kamen Rider? So my experience with Kamen Rider uh, goes as... Uh, the following. So people may recall in 1995, a series called Masked Rider debuted, um, which I believe used footage from Kamen Rider RX. Correct me if I'm wrong. And, uh, and so I had that initial exposure. And then I remember we were at Toys R Us shopping for Christmas gifts. And uh, I saw for the Sega CD there was a game called Masked Rider, Common Rider, Zo or Zo, depending on who you ask. Uh, and so I asked my mom for that, and I got it. I was one of the few people who owned, I still have it, a Sega CD. Um, but the... <laughs> uh, so that, I wish I could give you guys a tour down here. This basement of mine is is my nerd kingdom my wife has given me uh way too much leeway down here but anyway so the uh and i got it and then when i got it i thought it was going to be kind of a take on the show right but instead it ended up being more of a uh it, it turned out to be a dubbed japanese film that had a bunch of qte stuff right and that was uh, and I played through it, and that was like what created my uh, interest in the idea that wait, there's more than just that Masked Rider series. There's there's more, and I started doing research and found out about all the Common Rider series before that, and uh, I became a big fan. So at the end of the day, yes, I am a Common Rider fan, um, and actually because I have that story. Um, Zio is actually my favorite common writer, just that, that movie and, and Aso and, and, uh, um, Professor Mochizuki and everything along that line. I know that story so well, I've seen it a million times because then I ended up getting the actual movie. It's just, that's it. That's it. Uh, let's see. We got some porn bots in the chat, so let's go ahead and ban those real quick. But and of course I watched Beetleborgs a shock uh the uh advanced twin blade says I wish I could just do it uh so Anna J 
in what was technically the main event here, took on Tony Storm. Uh, this was a fairly short affair. This was obviously supposed to be Tony Storm going one-on-one with the bunny. The bunny fell ill, and so therefore Anna Jay had to step up. Uh, this was an eliminator match, as pretty much all uh, non-title matches are. Tony Storm got the victory, and after the match was over, Tony Storm was confronted by Jamie Hayter, and crowd popped for Jamie Hayter. I didn't feel like they were all that into this match at all, but they popped for Jamie. Then there's a stare down, and who's going to win this? I don't know. My gut tells me to bet on Jamie Hayter, though. Uh, and I say that because one thing Tony Khan doesn't do terribly often is run back the same match for the same result. And we've seen Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter go one-on-one. And if I remember correctly, Tony Storm got the victory. But I think Tony Khan's not deaf. He hears these reactions. He sees the ground swelling for Jamie Hayter. And it's the first ever organic ground swelling in the women's division that AEW's ever had. And what I mean by that is that there was a ground swelling for Hikaru Shida. But it felt like AEW was behind Hikaru Shida pretty much the moment the show launched. Right, She was on the posters. Uh, literally, there's an all-out poster right here for all-out 2019. She's on it. She was on the production trucks. Um, she, uh, at the first Double or Nothing, it was literally Team Sheeta. Um, and Riho was kind of a background of all of that, right? Uh, but they were behind Sheeta from day one. They've been behind Britt Baker since day one. But I feel like Jamie Hayter is the first person in the women's division that feels like the fans chose her. The fans want her in this spot and the fans want her, um, have gotten her over. And so this is Tony's first opportunity to respond in kind. Does he show that who the fans want is ultimately what matters? And I think giving her the shot and putting her in a position for the fans to be angry isn't really like Tony's MO a lot of the time. I think Jamie Hayter is going to win. Like, that's my gut. I do feel like um, Jamie's going to win that. Matthew Ledesma says, do you have an idea on the London date? Um, idea? Yes. Uh, anything I'm comfortable putting out? No. Uh, I have, I mentioned last week that I heard from a particular wrestler about the um, the date on it. It was just one wrestler I'd heard it from. And that wasn't enough for me to confirm. But I will say that dates I've heard from uh, other wrestlers on uh, that are just kind of singular sourced have been correct. So I need one more source on this one before I'm willing to say what I've heard uh, as far as the dates for London. Because I don't want to get people's hopes up and then turns out it's it's not correct i'm not willing to do that but uh and see that's that's the reason why i snap grapple pop he says say it quietly i got days off i need to book again i don't want you to book those days and then it's wrong uh so don't do that uh i'd say just give it a moment uh to be announced but you you have a rough idea of when it's going to be 
the the main event segment was John Moxley versus MJF. Now I said everything on this show up until this point got me really excited for Full Gear. More excited than I walked into this dynamite. This was the first segment I thought was just a little bit off and uh, I can't put my finger on why, but I felt like John Moxley felt off his game. And I thought that the MJF stuff with the firm felt a little too on the nose. I thought uh, to sell this, uh, to be the sell for the match. I mean, I mean, a lot of it, the match feels like it sells itself. It's John Moxley. It's MJF. This is a very different MJF than we saw before. MJF looked freaking jacked. Uh, when I say it's a different MJF, I mean, this is a different MJF. Uh, but, yeah, Moxley seemed off his game. He even, at the end of it, said this Sunday. Which, to be fair, if you're a professional wrestler and you have been building to pay-per-views any parts of your career, you have been used to saying this Sunday your whole career. This Saturday is still a relatively new concept, so I'm not going to fault anybody for slipping and saying this Saturday when, look, all the AEW pay-per-views this year have been on Sundays. So uh, this Saturday was the one, that this is the only Saturday pay-per-view this year. There's a little bit of forgiveness, I'll say, on slipping up and saying Sunday rather than Saturday. Uh, but I thought what Moxley had to say was good. I think that he was even willing to swallow being the uh, not fan favorite in this case. It felt like a lot of what he was saying here was positioned in a way where, you know, he's like, I don't care what the fans think in this case. I don't care if they're cheering you. I am here to beat MJF and remind him of who he is. And if he can't reach in deep down and figure out what he uh, that figure out that potential. He's going to beat him. I liked what he had to say. I just felt like the crowd wasn't giving him enough and everything else just felt kind of low energy. Of course, you know, he calls out MJF out comes the firm. MJF makes very short work of the firm, which again, I say this felt on the nose because I think he's still working with the firm. I think that, uh, you know, he took them out with very, very little effort. Yeah, you know, he just like throws one punch, everybody goes down. And you could easily say that, you know, this is payback. You know, you guys put me through a table. I owed you guys one. I laid you all out with, you know, you you put me through a table, I kicked you in the balls. Now we're square. Because, uh, again, even W. Morrissey, for as big as W. Morrissey was, I thought that was kind of a really hokey way for him to go down. And then... Uh, MJF grabs the mic and says that he wants Moxley at 100%, and that's why he saved him. And uh, we basically ended there. I thought it was a little bit flat of a segment, considering they've had some winners in these go-home segments before. Going into full gear last year, you know that was a really big winner with uh, Hangman and Kenny having the contract signing and Don Callis being revealed as the cameraman. Great stuff there. Going into Revolution 2020, uh, you had Moxley and Jericho have the weigh-in. Great stuff. Give me more weigh-ins, as long as it's not like the Cody and Anthony Agogo one. But 
a lot of stuff has worked before. Something about this just didn't click. And for Moxley and MJF to be the mic guys they are, I was a little disappointed here. I thought the show went off flat when I felt like the rest of the show did everything it was supposed to to get me excited about Full Gear. I thought everything else on the show sold me more on a match that uh, I may have been interested in. I got more interested in it. And if I wasn't interested at all, I was suddenly interested. This was the only thing on the show. And go figure, it's the main event that I feel... I won't say I'm less interested in it. I'm probably just neutral, but it didn't get me hyped. And I thought that was kind of a sour note to send the show off on. But overall, you know, the show was good. I think when you look at the entirety of the show, I can't take anything away from the rest of the show just because it went off on kind of a flat uh, note. But... Yeah, that was AEW Dynamite. And sorry, I gave you guys a solo edition of Day After Dynamite. There will be guests coming back next week. Uh, and of course, I'm all dry mouth now from having to talk for an hour and 18 minutes. Usually this is the point where I give you the ratings. Oh, ratings are in. Okay, this show did... 818,000 viewers, which is definitely uh, on the lower end. Denise Salcedo sends in a super chat, by the way. The media is evil, you dirt cheap boy. Thank you, Denise Salcedo. Um, but <laughs> yes, thank you for the the, the run in here. But yeah, I did 818,000 um, with a 0.28 rating. That is very much on the lower end. It still came in, in the top five. Um, but that's on the lower end of Dynamites in 2022, especially in its regular time slot. Um, it was beaten by two regular season NBA games and Sports Center, um, but the top five were essentially the Challenge and Dynamite and Sports Center. That's it. Um, but there it is. 818 uh, came in number four. So uh, that's that's that. Uh, Ronan Mike Clip says, we were shooting a music video at an anime convention using Elevator by Flo Rida and Timbaland. The elevator door opens and Johnny Young Bosch walks in. I'm holding a video camera and my friend uh, dressed as a tentacle monster. Uh, that's great. Uh, but yeah, there it is. 818 is the rating. Again, that is very much on the lower end. And uh, especially for that 18 to 49, that is uh, very much lower. So we'll see how the show does next week. Um, again, it, there wasn't um, much of a stiff, uh, stiff competition. Um, like last week, there was, of course, all the news programs, everything. Again, it still came in top five, so that's not a thing that I don't think Warner Brothers Discovery is going to complain about because they see TV is all relative. But I see that it being something wrestling media is going to have a field day with. So either way, uh, that's it. And that's it for this edition of Day After Dynamite. Thanks for sticking with me. I know I mentioned there were going to be pop-ins. There wasn't. It was just me talking for an hour and 20 minutes. Thank you for being here with us, though. And don't forget, check out all the content we've got coming up this week. Uh, me and Phil and Reg will be back with a new edition of Grapsity this Saturday. Uh, I will be in Newark, New Jersey doing that show. So that should be fun. Let me get my camera back in focus. Uh, sorry about that but whatever. It's the end of the show anyway. Uh, so we've got uh, another edition of Grapsity, of course. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the aforementioned Denise Salcedo's channel, uh, I do a show with her called After the Week that airs every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. That's 
uh, isn't that 9 a.m. Eastern, I think? No, 10, 10, 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, or 10 a.m. Pacific, sorry, 10 a.m. Pacific, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern. Check that show out. It's a lot of fun. We talk about um, top three things of the week and then our one least favorite. Uh, I'll be curious to see how that all goes with full gear happening. That show, actually, I said all that and then realized we've got travel. It normally comes on uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, but uh, this week we are actually on at a special time. And I have to give Denise a message after this. Hi, Denise, because uh, some things may have come up that are like tra- changing plans around that. But stay tuned to her channel. Subscribe youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo. And check out all the shows we're doing here on Fightful because we still have the um, full gear post show coming up. We'll, of course, have the media scrum right here being broadcast on our channel live, youtube.com slash Fightful. Other than that, folks, that's it. See you next time. Have a great day. Peace. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.